our podcast, Interruptions. For those of you who are listening for the very first time, we call our podcast Interruptions because we believe that there's a magical space between an incident and a disagreement or a challenging situation or something occurring. There's this magic space that is between the incident and the response. We call that the interruption. We on the Workplace Learning and Professional Development team believe that if you have the appropriate tools to engage positively during that interruption, that's when we believe the magic can happen. Um, With the right tools, you're more likely to yield positive results, and we all want positive results. So welcome. Today's episode is a part of the Love GT series, and we're taking a deeper look into our Institute Value Um, There are nine values, but today we're really going to discuss we safeguard freedom of inquiry and expression. And I'm super excited to chat with a few of our community members. Today we have Will Jimerson, Terry Bloom, and Stacey. Stacey, how do I pronounce your name, your last name properly? Doremus. Doremus. That's what I was going to say, but I just wanted to make sure I had it right. (laughs) Um, So, Will, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Thanks so much, Latrice, and I want to thank uh, the members of the Workplace Learning and Professional Development team for this opportunity. I'm Will Jimerson, and I serve as the Director of Human Resources for the Ivan Allen College of Liberal Arts. Um, I also am serving as the co-lead for our hiring process improvement as we transition to administrative excellence um, across Georgia Tech. I have been at Georgia Tech as an employee for six years um, in various different capacities and support faculty, staff, and students with um, all HR activities. Awesome. You got to be a popular person on campus when you say you are, what did you say? You are the chair of the hiring, fixing the hiring stuff? <laughs> <laughs> we're trying, we're trying to improve it day by day. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for being here, Will. Uh, Terry, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I'm Terry Blum, and I am a faculty member in the Scheller College of Business. Uh, My academic home is Organizational Behavior, and I am the faculty director of the Institute for Leadership and Social Impact, and I'm delighted to be with you today. Awesome. Thank you, Terry, for being here. I consider Terry a giant in the field, so I'm just excited to have her here. Thank you so much. And Stacey, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, thank you. My name is Stacey Doremus, and I am uh, the Program Director for Leadership Education and Development. I've been at Georgia Tech for almost nine years now, and so I'm really excited to be um, on this podcast today. And I am responsible for many of our programs that fall under the umbrella of Leadership Education and Development Um, including our one-on-one leadership coaching program. Um, I advise our minor in leadership studies as well as our Teams for Tech initiative. And so um, I also teach our Foundations of Leadership course, which is um, a wonderful introduction um, to leadership um, and the different leadership approaches and also how you apply that to your context. Awesome. Thank you, Stacey. Thank you so much for being here. So let's start off a little light. I'm going to give you a, a an option. You can tell me either about <laughs> the best Valentine's Day you ever had or the worst Valentine's Day you ever had. <laughs> and who wants to go first? Anybody can jump in. The best or the worst? I'll tell you the worst. You might not be able to beat mine. 
my husband and I have been married for 19 years. And at year four, he and my neighbor, my neighbor's husband and my husband, thought it was a great idea to buy us rose bushes. Not the pretty roses that are blooms, but the ones with thorns with the plastic bag. And it was just some sticks. Yeah, he thought that was a good idea. Did you still have them today? <laughs> you know what, Will? The crazy thing is I refuse. I had such a bad attitude about it. I refused to plant them. He planted them. And I swear, every time I get upset with him and I drive home, I see like a big rose just like, because he planted them. <laughs> so what you got? I'll start. Um, so uh, similar to your story, um, I am recently married, just got married in October. And so this was our first Valentine's Day as a married couple, although we've been dating uh, for nine years. And so uh, marriage changes people. And so I have now valued uh, the simple things matter the most. Right. <laughs> OK. So, so this this Valentine's, we had a you know very intimate, you know, private dinner, private shift uh, to come to the house. Uh, yes. enjoyed, uh, the Alvin Ailey uh, Theater that's uh, live now at the Fox Theater. So quality time is uh, my wife's uh, love, uh, language. love language. Excuse me. So I'm learning to appreciate and uh, drive into uh, quality time. <laughs> I love it. That was great. Okay, let me tell you, Will. Year one. I mean, I know y'all been together a while, right. but marriage is different. Yeah. Don't be starting like this if you're not going to finish, okay? Exactly. <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. Stacey or Terry, any stories y'all want to tell us? <laughs> I can go next. I, you know, I was reflecting back to my childhood and growing, growing up. I remember my mom used to surprise us every morning uh, or Valentine's Day morning with, um, you know, small little gifts, but I think the the best aspect of that morning was the time that I got to spend with her. So I would sit on her lap and she would hug me and she was a big advocate for giving 20 second hugs. And we, we all know that there's a lot of research behind that um, and there's healing in 20 second hugs. And so she used to hold on to me and tell me how much she loved me. And it was just such a special time. I mean, she, she used to do that throughout the year, but on Valentine's day, um, I would sit a little bit longer just to just to feel her love oh that's so sweet yeah. she was your own personal cupid yes she was <laughs> and she continues to be in heaven yeah. that's lovely yeah. oh thank yeah. you so much Stacey for sharing yeah. Terry you got anything um I guess <laughs> <laughs> um and, and actually I didn't know what I'd say in answer to this question and um I ended up being inspired by the stories that each of you have talked about in terms of your uh, good days. And uh, one of them is um, hearing Stacy's uh, story, how much Valentine's meant because of how we showed it to our kids and how it became so important to them. And even my daughter, who's 
quite, um, you know, older in her 20s now, you know, she still just celebrates as though that day is just, uh, uh, you know, magni magnificent. But it also uh, let me go back to um, both uh, Will and Latrice, your, your, your stories. Um, when my husband of uh, many years now, I'm not exactly sure how many, gets mad about, about that. Um, when we were just sort of doing the um, dance of getting to know each other, uh, some beautiful roses showed up at my uh, office and they were just so unexpected. And so I think that that's still a highlight in our in our relationship and in my life. Awesome, 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 awesome. Thank y'all for sharing that. Thank you for, for indulging my <laughs> poke into your business, basically. <laughs> All right, so. Safeguard freedom of inquiry and expression. So I'm going to read the definition um, according to our strategic value. Um, we protect the freedom of all members of our community to ask questions, seek truth, and express their views. We cherish diversity of ideas as necessary for learning, discovery, scholarship, and creativity. So given that definition, would you guys and ladies, ladies and gentlemen, be surprised if I told you that this was the one value that we asked people to participate and talk to us about, and they said, no, I'm not comfortable doing that. Would that surprise any of you? I don't think it's surprising um, because I think that this is kind of at the intersection of our personal beliefs um, or things that we're very much passionate about um, that that we try to tie it to um, behaviors that are appropriate in the workplace as well. And so I don't find it surprising that there were people that were uh, resistant or hesitant to have this type of important conversation about valuing um, the freedom of inquiry and expression. Mm -hmm. Surprised, but I'm sad mm -hmm. because it's it's just so core to who we are as an institution, and um, it's under siege. Yeah, and so I wonder if that's why people didn't feel comfortable about talking about it, and I, I found that. I find that sad. I also find it interesting that it's not the freedom of inquiry and expression that I targeted in on, but the word safeguard. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering, why do we have safeguard there? Maybe because of the challenges and the misunderstanding of what this value is by so many. Why aren't we championing this? Why aren't we thriving on this? Why aren't we nurturing? the verbs that are in each of the other uh, values. So I'm, I'm not surprised, but I'm sad. Yeah. Stacy, let me ask you this question. What makes you feel safe? What makes me feel safe? I think what really makes me feel safe is 
the environment around me that creates the psychological safety where I can take risks. Um, you know, psychological safety is that shared belief that's held by members um, within a group that it's, you know, safe for interpersonal risk taking. And when that exists within a group and when we work to foster that psychological safety, whether it's in the classroom, whether it's, you know, within our co-curricular programs, um, I think that that intentionality around fostering that psychological safety may really helps people um, to have that freedom of inquiry, that freedom of expression, right? Without that fear of humiliation or that fear, fear, fear of punishment, right? Um, when they do so. And so when I'm able to, you know, freely foster that psychological safety and foster inclusiveness and really demonstrate some thoughtful engagement in those environments, I think that's when I really feel safe. And I think as an institution, we have many faculty and staff, right, that step in to do so um, to allow our students to to be safe in those environments. Um, so, yeah, that's what makes me feel safe. So, Will, if I were to ask you the same questions, what what is the sort of what are the tangible? Can you think of something tangible that makes you feel sort of safe? Good question. Um, I, I do want to echo um, the one part that Stacy said, though, it's mm -hmm. the without fear part mm -hmm. um, that I think really elevates uh, for me that you, you aren't humiliated. You're not fearful um, of showing up and being your true self. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and whether you're a student, faculty, or staff, as a member of our community, we value that. Um, I think that when, when we think about, uh, you know, tangibles or intangibles, it also provides an opportunity for us to recognize, acknowledge, and appreciate our differences and have those open and courageous conversations um, amongst each other um, to where it's not defensive or we're not um, aiming to delineate your beliefs or your individual personal values, but we appreciate that we can have those conversations um, that can, um, you know, shift the conversation or uh, find, find solutions by basing the value of differences of perception and perspective as well. Good stuff, yeah. Terry, do you have any experience um, creating sort of safety or a safe environment for people that work with you or? Well, I, I'd like to think I do, but herein lies the problem about self-report. Uh, you know, it's up to the others to say whether that is indeed uh, the, uh, the case. Um, I think that this whole idea about freedom of expression is not unmitigated freedom. Uh, it comes with responsibility. <clears throat> it also comes with perspective taking that, you know, I can perceive all the kinds of freedom of inquiry and expression that I feel like I want to believe I have, but that the people around me may not always feel that same safety. And some of it's uh, positional, some of it's uh, individual disposition. Uh, but um, this 
this this value and creating the context in which we can live it is uh, hard work. And I do hope that I create it in my classrooms and I hope I create it in my office and with, with my colleagues. But I have to admit that there is a um, perceived hierarchy and even if I don't perceive it, shame on me uh, for not, you know, for not, for not perceiving that. And so I hope I do it, but I suspect I probably can do it better. Yeah, that's, that's great. Thank you for sharing that, Terry, um, because it's a vulnerable place to like first be self-reflective and think like, you know, this is what I intend to do, but are my intentions meeting the reality of the students, the faculty, the staff, the people that I interact with in a day-to-day, on a day-to-day basis? Stacey, do you, <clears throat> thinking about sort of your role and what you do on our campus, I'm wondering if you had to like write down, these are the three things, or maybe even five or one, <laughs> that I do to try to create this idea um, of safety. Yes. Uh, so in the in the classroom, I found that specifically delineating how class participation would uh, would be evaluated, uh, but tie, but more importantly, tying that to how do how do we foster psychological safety so that students also gain a skill as they move forward, um, and so. What what I've done personally in my in my class has been to really map out what thoughtful engagement looks like and how we foster psychological safety through inclusive conversations. And so we do spend some time in one of our first few classes going over that. Right. So that includes being actively present. Right, putting our whole selves into the conversations in small and large group discussions, um, actively listening to one another, being genuinely curious, um, you know, with the teaching team, with classmates, you know, being aware of our body language um, and what is that saying um, to others. And then when we talk about fostering psychological safety through inclusive conversations, um, how do we solicit input and opinions and diverse perspectives from our classmates, from our teammates? Um, if we're typically somebody that tends to dominate a conversation, what about taking a step back and listening first um, to allow others to provide their input um, and then acknowledging that input from others? Um, you know, what was it? You know, highlighting what that contribution was um, and then seeking to be vulnerable, because when we seek to be vulnerable, others tend to be vulnerable with us and encourages them to do the same. And so, you know, really by encompassing, you know, uh, psychological safety with class participation, all of a sudden what I find is that students become very much engaged in the classroom. We start to foster that psychological safety. We do some intentional exercises at the beginning of every single class in order to, to start to build that vulnerability-based trust. Mm-hmm. Um, and how this shows up in, in the classroom is that when we go to have those difficult conversations like we'll 
you know, alluded to, it's a lot easier. Um, and typically I'll say um, to the class, you know, we've built this psychologically safe environment where we can take these risks, right? Let's have the difficult conversation. And students tend, what I see in my experience is that students tend to really open up when they have that safety. And so that's one way that I've done that in the classroom. Yeah, no, that's great. So it sounds like having some intentional exercises, you know, creating that sort of um, framework so that people modeling vulnerability, inviting them in, making sure that we're hearing different perspectives or tangible things that we all can do, whether we're in the classroom or not. Will, thinking about your your role and thinking about how people sort of come to the HR folks for various different reasons. I'm wondering what are your thoughts about how to create a safe environment for teams? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think to elevate from what Stacey was saying from the employee perspective, um, I'm reminded, you know, the psychological safety literature really elevated, I think, uh, has elevated um, re very recently. Um, and I often talk with supervisors and managers. We actually had a training uh, related to this in our retreat. And some of the practical things that we always try to embrace as we approach these conversations, particularly from a managerial uh, perspective, um, is to, you know, establish that trust, right? If trust is not established, there's no value added um, to the entire organization. I think there's also some element to building comfort uh, with your teams uh, to where people are comfortable to, as Stacey said, to be vulnerable, uh, but to embrace also to embrace empathy, to be empathetic um, during, during the times when, uh, when we have these conversations, but also long-term as well to establish long-term psychological safety, not necessarily in response to a certain situation. Uh, a couple other things that came to mind too um, is proper facilitation uh, for these conversations is so necessary. Uh, when, when you're um, having difficult conversations, particularly about safeguarding our freedom of expression, proper facilitation is necessary to ensure that there is some common shared belief that's the takeaway, but there's a journey to get to that by embracing our individuality uh, throughout those times. Um, and then lastly, um, um, I want to also mention that there is, that we must acknowledge there is some risk um, to this uh, for organizations. Um, there is some risk associated with it, but again, if we approach it with um, leaning in and um, the, the outcome of a shared belief at the end that acknowledges those differences um, towards, you know, the betterment of the organization or whatever specific goal um, that, that you're trying to achieve. Yeah, thank you, Will. I want to press a little bit in further. I think Terry brought it up, this idea that we safeguard freedom of inquiry and expression. Yeah, we do, but this isn't like a, a, a open season for you to just, you know, say what you want, um, however you want, you know. So thinking about that, when people, you know, read this, we safeguard freedom of inquiry and, and, and expression. Any other thoughts about this idea of how, and it kind of goes with what you're saying, Will, like proper facilitation, like modeling what the proper sort of behavior is, but at the same time valuing that we all are different and we all have different um, opinions and thoughts and experiences. Any other, any other thoughts about that? that you guys want to add to the conversation here? I guess I'd like to go back. There's, there's such a lot 
going on about psychological safety and psychological safety is important and it's necessary, but it's not sufficient. And I really wish that we wouldn't just focus on this one concept that has very few indicators because it's just one element uh, for us to, uh, to voice. And then there's different kinds of voice, promotive, prohibitive. I mean, there's a whole bunch of uh, uh, things, but I come full circle in thinking about this value to realize that people have the right to remain silent mm. and that we should let those people be. There's diversity in how people want to express themselves. And sometimes when students or people are not speaking up, they're processing and us encouraging them to participate may not necessarily be the best um, thing at that uh, time. But what is crucial is to make sure that we are not the element that is silencing. Yeah, that's, that's, we all have the right to remain silent. That's profound. Thoughts, Stacey, William? I think that embracing the silence also um, allows the individual to make the choice that's best for them, right? Mm -hmm. we, have, we oftentimes in our community have very outspoken individuals um, that, you know, appreciate and don't mind sharing. But then we also have, you know, thinking of the, the separation um, between work and home or church and state, you know, those types of conversations that it's um, important for some individuals um, to have that separation um, in the workplace. I want to share something with you all. So I'm, I'm in a um, doctoral program and I'm studying value congruence and psychological safety. And so I've been interviewing lots of people around our campus and our community. And then we have to take some of those um, those uh, uh, narratives from the interviews and turn it into what they call a critical incident. It can be a poem. It can be um, just something that is representative of sort of what I am hearing. And I want to read this to you. This is my interpretation of a couple of interviews that I've had, and I want to get your reactions. So I titled it, Can I Say It? Should I Say It? I've always been outspoken. I typically assess the situation and determine if I'm going to engage or not. I often ask myself, should I say it? Is it prudent? Can I say it? Will my voice add value for myself or others? Until today, I considered those times that I looked, that I took a pass as nothing more than me making the assessment that the matter at hand wasn't important enough for me to engage. I realized that sometimes the risk was not worth the reward. But now I know I did not feel safe speaking truth to power. It's powerful. Mm -hmm. Very powerful. So as we think about all of the conversation that we've had um, today, and we go back to our definition of we safeguard freedom of inquiry and expression. We protect the freedom of all members of our community to ask questions, seek truth, and express their views. We cherish diversity of ideas as necessary for learning, discovery, scholarship, and creativity. I'd love to just do a round robin um, 
And just for you all to think about, as people are listening to this podcast, they're probably really trying to think about sort of how do I embody this value on a day-to-day basis? If you have any advice or final thoughts that you'd love to share, um, this would be the great, the perfect time for you to, to you to add that to the conversation. And I won't call on anybody. You can just start talking whoever wants to go first. Or maybe I will call on somebody. <laughs> I'm struck by the list of values, and I really don't like to take this value in isolation from the other values. Uh, this is a system, and it it makes more sense to me in combination with the other eight. And you know, in this past week, um, issues of are thriving on diversity. And diversity is part of this, diversity of thought. It's not just diversity of characteristics that you you see. And it's the um, willingness to show up to share your p- position, but also your willingness to hear, you know, to hear uh, diverse uh, perspectives, which are really necessary for creativity, for excellence, for innovation. That's not going to happen without this uh, value. But this brings me to the uh, one thing that I think is is answering your question, and I thought about it a lot recently. What would our life be like if our community did not? include this as one of our nine core values. And so if it was absent, would tell me a lot more about the roadmap of behavior that this empowers me to uh, express. Thank you, Terry. Stacey or Will? You know, something that comes to mind for me is an open and growth mindset um, and the willingness to seek understanding um, across the board of, you know, all diversity of thought, of ideas, opinions, um, et cetera, you know, because it is so important for our learning, for the discovery process, um, and for our creativity, right, um, to be able to go into into spaces and be willing, right, to step in, not only to be genuinely authentic in our authentic selves and how we show up, as Will mentioned, but, you know, to also, um, you know, be willing to seek, you know, that diverse perspective, maybe, you know, a different, you know, that different perspective that might not be similar to our own, which I think is so very important, right, in our freedom. Um, and it's our responsibility, I think, as a community is to really to, to seek out um, very diverse perspectives and have that open and growth mindset. What can I learn from this experience, right? What can I learn from others in community? Um, and how can we move forward together? I think that's really important. And that's what comes to mind for me. Thank you, Stacy. So important. And just to build on what Stacey and Terry have said um, very eloquently, I think um, as community members of Georgia Tech, I encourage everyone to show up authentically, but also know that as a community, as Terry mentioned, we also 
will appreciate silence as well. Um, the other thing that I think that um, is a charge to the Institute now that we have set this value is to um, provide more opportunities uh, for this freedom of expression and inquiry and diversity of thought to occur on our campus much more frequently um, and, and, and without uh, reservation or without the feeling um, of negative impact. I also think that there's an opportunity for our institute as well um, through training and programs and mentorship, um, again, for um, our, our leaders and for facilitators um, to be trained properly to respond to these types of conversations, interactions, and or behaviors um, that are ever more prevalent um, in our community now and will continue to be. Thank you all so much. Terry, looks like you wanted to say something. Yeah, I, I wanted to say that, you know, sometimes this all gets executed with um, arrogance and authoritarianism. And that's really off-putting. And what the other panelists have talked to uh, about today is curiosity. And I think that that's really important. And there's another characteristic of leadership, whether it's with position or not position, that is really necessary for this to um, uh, value to become realized in behavior. And I think that's humility. And this focuses on the inquiry part. We don't know everything. And there is a process of learning. And that only comes when you have a, a mind, an open mindset, a growth mindset that you're willing to hear from, from others. Absolutely. This has been a fantastic conversation, and we could talk about this for hours, but I don't think people would listen to us for hours. <laughs> um, the, there's a couple of things I think that uh, I'd love to just highlight as we say, this has been your interruption throughout the day, right? So if you're listening to this podcast and you've taken the time to sort of go on this journey with us, remember curiosity, lean in with curiosity. Vulnerability is key. Humility. Have a growth mindset. Be respectful. Look around the room. Whose perspectives are we missing as we seek to safeguard freedom of inquiry and expression? We all are a work in progress, and we might get it right sometimes, and we might mess up sometimes, but the idea is that we're trying, and we're on a road towards growth. And so the values are meant not to strangle us, not to put a chokehold on us, but to give us thoughtful ways to engage as active and productive community members. So I would like to personally thank you, Stacy. Thank you so much. Thank you, Terry. Thank you so much. Thank you, Will. Thank you so much. You have officially been interrupted.